It would be good to unmute myself, wouldn't it? Good morning. Lovely to see uh, some familiar faces um, and some other ones. Um, as Mark said, my name's Alex. Uh, I'm a member at St. Neat's Evangelical Church, uh, where Rich is this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for him and pray for us uh, before we look at God's word together. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for who you are, uh, our king and our creator, the Lord of all, uh, that your love endures forever. Please, uh, would you be building your kingdom uh, here this morning? Please encourage uh, your people. Um, please uh, convict us. Please challenge us. Please uh, grow us to love uh, your son and you uh, all the more. And we pray uh, in his name and for his glory. Amen. Mark, am I... Uh, Mark, am I in charge of slides? Okay. No, 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 it's, it's fine. I'll, I'll take on the responsibility. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Well, uh, I think it can be hard sometimes uh, to figure out what the right response uh, in a situation is. Uh, we've all been there. Uh, you've said something and you've just thought, oh, that, that wasn't quite uh, the right thing uh, for me to say. That wasn't the right response uh, in that scenario. Uh, maybe uh, you've been in an interview and you've just said something that makes all the panel's eyebrows go up or their uh, faces uh, kind of go down. And you just think, oh, I've, just, I've just said the wrong thing uh, at the wrong time. Uh, maybe you've said um, the wrong thing uh, to children uh, that you know, maybe the wrong thing uh, to your spouse. Uh, but I think our response to people gets easier the more we know about them. The more we know about someone, about who they are, I think the easier it gets to kind of gauge how our response is. So, for example, in an interview, you're probably going to speak more formally uh, to those people. You're probably going to speak more gently uh, to a child. Um, you're probably going to speak very differently if a policeman has pulled you over, uh, potentially for speeding. If you're talking to the Queen... You're going to talk very differently to her, I hope, than you would to a stranger. It's hard to know what the right response is, but it does get a bit easier when you know something about that person. And the big question we think about this morning is, I don't know if the slides are working, Mark. Oh, there we go. Is, how should we respond to God. How should we respond to God? And, and we're going to see that our response to God is always tethered to a greater understanding of who he is. Uh, the more you understand what God is like, the more we're going to appreciate what's the right way to respond. And I think Psalm 98 uh, tells us quite plainly how we're to respond. Um, there's kind of one big way we're meant to respond, and it's phrased in three different ways. There's three different sections in this psalm, uh, verses 1 to 3, verses 4 to 6, verses 7 to 9. And in each of those sections, our response to God is always linked to who God is, to an aspect of who God is. So Psalm 98 tells us very plainly, uh, first of all, how are we to respond to God? Well, we should sing to God our saviour. Sing to God, our saviour. Um, that's verses one to three. Let me read them again. Sing to the Lord a new song. 
For he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Psalm 98 actually begins in the same way uh, Psalm 96 does a couple uh, psalms before. You might want to um, flick back to that. It just says, sing to the Lord a new song. You've got that phrase again. Sing to the Lord a new song. Uh, sing to the Lord a kind of refreshed song. Maybe you might want to say a renewed song to the Lord. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher from the Victorian times, says that Psalm 96 uh, calls a new song to be sung because the king is coming. But Psalm 98 uh, calls us to sing a new song because the king has come. Um, I wonder if you noticed that, the, the tense that it's in. Sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvellous things. Uh, I think the biggest event uh, in the minds of the first hearers of this psalm uh, would have been the Exodus. Would have been when God saved his people from slavery in Egypt and brought them in to the promised land. Uh, the Israelites, when they sing Psalm 98, would be thinking of that. Uh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvellous things. He has worked salvation for his people. He's worked a rescue. And notice who is the one that achieves this. It's God himself, and it's God alone. He alone has achieved this. Uh, he has done it with his right hand and his holy arm. He has worked out salvation for him. Uh, when my granddad married my grandma uh, in the 1960s, uh, they bought a plot of land and he built his own house uh, from the foundations up, uh, piece by piece, uh, room by room. Uh, he could stand back and look at that house now that he still lives in and say, and say by my right hand, I've done it. But really, uh, he didn't really do it all alone. Uh, he did have help. There were builders. There were other people involved in the construction. There were tradesmen. Uh, other people helped. But in God's building of salvation, he really can say, I've done it all myself. He can stand back and say, uh, no one else has been involved. He's truly done everything. He's provided the foundations, the blueprint, the materials, the workmen, the finer details, the bigger picture of salvation. Uh, it's all a work of God. The prophet Jonah cries, salvation is of the Lord. Uh, and that is true. There's no one else needed. And notice who God is doing this for in verse one. He's worked salvation for him. God's supreme motivation is found, is working out salvation uh, for himself, which is actually great news. It's great news because it means God's love endures forever. It endures forever because it's found within himself. His salvation is completed by himself and for himself. But wonderfully, people are included in that as well. The psalmist tells us he's remembered his love. And his faithfulness to Israel, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And this salvation was planned not just for Israel, not just for Israel, but to be spread to the entire 
world. His righteousness has been made known to all the nations. And actually, that was always God's plan. His, his love for Israel was always meant to end in a love for the whole world. Isaiah, uh, the prophet in the Old Testament, says this about God's love for Israel, his plan for Israel and the world. He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand, talking about Israel. I will keep you. I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles and a light for everyone else. Isaiah says this as well in chapter 51. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. So in in bringing salvation outside of Israel, God's actually being faithful to his promises to Israel. And this psalm is wonderfully true. It's wonderfully true, isn't it, that God's salvation really has been made known uh, to all nations, to all the ends of the earth. We were hearing about that just now um, from Mark and uh, your missionary partners in Myanmar. Um, Pat was praying for people in Turkey. I'm sure you know lots of other believers around the world. Uh, um, us right now, we are hundreds, uh, thousands of miles away from where Psalm 98 was written. And yet we know about God's righteousness. We know about God's salvation. And I think um, that this truth, the truth that God's salvation is going out, uh, should surely cause us to pray more. I know you've got your week of prayer coming up. Um, Surely this psalm calls us to pray more and more that more and more people would hear about God's salvation. Every distant country that we've heard about, every close cul-de-sac in Little Paxton, um, every village uh, just outside of town, every nation, everyone. Surely we want everybody to hear and so we should be praying that everyone would hear. But even more explicitly than prayer, uh, these first few verses call us to sing praise to God, don't they? Verse one, sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvellous things. So here's the question. Uh, Do you make a habit of singing to the Lord when you're alone, when you're with friends, when you're with your spouse, when you're with your children? Do you relish the chance to sing praises to him? Or actually, is Sunday morning the only time uh, you do that? We ought to sing and sing and sing. Uh, We ought to get used to singing God's praises Uh, Because it's what we'll be doing for eternity. So first of all, Psalm 98 calls us to sing praise uh, to God. Uh, Sing a song to God because he is our saviour. Secondly, Psalm 98 calls us to make a joyful noise to God the king. Make a joyful noise to God the king. Verses 4 to 6 say... Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. We're called to praise God uh, with music, with our voices, with instruments. We're meant to make a loud noise, but more importantly than the actions, 
and the instruments. More important in these middle verses is the attitude that God's people are to have. I wonder if you spotted that. Verse four, shout for joy to the Lord. Burst into jubilant song. Verse six, shout for joy before the Lord. We need to be singing. We need to be singing loudly. We need to be singing regularly, but we need to be doing it with joy. And that's because of who God is. Um, in verses one to three, God's described as a savior. In verses four to six, he's the king. Uh, Abraham Kuyper was the uh, prime minister of Holland at the end of the 1800s, the start of the 1900s. He also was quite a prominent theologian. He wrote lots uh, and lots of theology books. And he says this about Jesus being the king. He says, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord over all, does not exclaim, mine. God is the king. He's the king of all the earth. He's the one true king. Uh, in these verses, there are echoes of another celebration Israel had of a king. Uh, actually, it's from 1 Chronicles, the book that Mark uh, quoted from uh, at the start of the service. Uh, king David, uh, when he becomes king, he brings the Ark of the Covenant. He brings the, the sign, the place of God's presence into Jerusalem, into the capital city of Israel. And as the Ark comes into Israel, um, as it comes into Jerusalem, there are a, a whole host of people playing harps and singing, playing trumpets and the ram's horn. They're, they're praising uh, God and they're thankful for David because David is being a restoring king. He's restoring God's presence to God's people. Well, how much more than David uh, is Jesus the restoring king? Jesus is, is the great restoring king because he really does make everything right. Uh, one other theologian talks about death and he says death might be the king of terrors. But Jesus is the king of kings. He's the restoring king uh, that we should make a joyful noise to. He's taken our captivity captive. Uh, he's enslaved our slavery to sin. He's delivered death over to death. He's conquered and he rules from his father's side. And so our only response should be joyful praise. Joyful praise, like a great Olympian or a great sports team, is owed applause for their victories uh, and domination. So Christ the King, he's owed our joyful noise. He's owed every syllable. He's owed every breath that we can give out. I think there's a word of caution, though, when we talk about singing to God. Um, if our actions don't match up with our attitude. A call to praise God should also be a call to examine ourselves, to, to make sure we really are singing with uh, joyful hearts, making sure we're really singing from our hearts, not just singing uh, for the benefit of other people. God uh, warns his people through the prophet Amos about that, about false worship, about singing God's praises when our hearts are far from him. God says this in Amos chapter five, uh, pretty shocking words. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. 
Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. God's saying, away with you if you do Psalm 98, but you don't love me in your heart. So we should sing praise to the Lord, definitely sing praise to the Lord, but make sure that this praise is coming from a joyful heart, a heart that knows his salvation and serves him as king. Don't end at just talking about Jesus being king. Don't end uh, with him just being king of your Sunday mornings. There's no place on earth, there's no part of our lives that he doesn't rule over. Don't allow rebellion uh, to exist against the rightful ruler of your life, your life. So I guess it begs the question, well, what areas in your life is Jesus not the king? What areas are you not making a joyful noise to him in? Please uh, search and pray and reflect on how uh, you may be openly or secretly, consciously or subconsciously rebelling against his rule. Uh, Rich this morning uh, is preaching about Psalm 32 at Snack, uh, which is a great psalm uh, to preach about just before a week of prayer uh, because it's about prayer. Uh, but interestingly, at the start of Psalm 32, it doesn't just uh, start uh, straight into prayer. Actually, it starts with confession. It starts with confession of sin. Please, this week, as you pray to God uh, for others, make sure you're examining yourself. It's all too easy, isn't it? To make a loud noise on a Sunday, surrounded by Christians, but not live it out on Monday morning. And if we do that, we're like someone who claims to be a loyal subject, but is secretly planning to kick the king off the throne. But I think when we do come under God's rule more and more, when we see Christ as the king, when we see he's the conquering king, when we see he's the perfect king, when we see he's the restoring king, Actually, we will make a joyful noise. We will make a noise uh, that comes from our hearts uh, and not just our heads, not just from our situations around us. So how should we respond to God? Well, Psalm 98 calls us uh, to sing to God, our saviour, to make a joyful noise uh, to God, our king. And thirdly and finally, join in as the world praises God. Uh, join in as the world praises God, the judge. That's how he's talked about in these last three verses. Let me read them out for us. Let the sea resound and everything in it. Let the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I'm a bit too young uh, to remember the 13th of July, uh, 1985, um, mainly because I wasn't born. Uh, but on that day, it was the first uh, live aid concert. Uh, and I've been told it was a pretty big deal um, when all these different singers and bands all came together to sing for one unified cause. 
I think they actually had two concerts, one in America, one in the UK at the same time. Uh, uh, millions and millions of people watched online, uh, watched on their TVs, even online didn't exist in the 80s, so I'm told. Um, I don't know. And uh, they watched on TV, which is a thing, apparently. Um, but actually, I think here in Psalm 98, we have a more star-studded lineup, a bigger collaboration of singers, a far more star-studded lineup uh, that's come together to sing God's praises. First of all, let the sea resound and everything in it. So the sea and everything that exists within it, every whale and dolphin call, every turtle, every tiny crustacean, every deep sea bacteria, every giant squid, every wave, every current, every tsunami, every swell, every whirlpool, every organism living on the bottom of the ocean floor that we haven't discovered yet, they all resound in praise for God. And every river joins in in singing God's praises as well. The rivers clap their hands. Every meander, every stream, every brook, every waterfall crashing down, they all join in with this song of praise to God. Every mountain as well. Um, Every colossal snow-topped peak in the Himalayas, every valley and hill and steep gradient, every ridge, every rock, every boulder, every blade of grass, every scorched bit of earth on every volcano, they're all singing God's praises all the time. What a lineup. I I think that puts um, Live Aid to shame a bit. See, just as we've made instruments to sing God's praises, just as we've made a harp um, or a lyre or a trumpet or a ram's horn or a piano or drums. Uh, God has made his own instruments, the mountains, the rivers, the sea, for the greatest performance that continues to echo out. And they don't just sing to him because he's the creator, though they do. They don't just sing to him because he's the saviour, though they do. They don't just sing to him because he's the king, It's striking, isn't it, that in these last couple verses, they're singing to him because he comes to judge the earth. See, creation knows in a way that deep down we should know that when God comes to judge, he's going to make everything right. He's going to he's going to restore everything. Creation is singing in huge anticipation for the day when sin and its effects will be wiped away forever. When this world, like a surfer being covered by waves, uh, will be submerged, will be engulfed in God's perfect judgment with righteousness and equity. See, the psalmist doesn't see any contradiction between God's salvation and his judgment. He used the same phrases to describe them. In uh, verse 2, God's made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness. And in verse 9, he will judge the world in righteousness. If his salvation is good news, so is his judgment. It's good news because he's going to come and make everything right. That's what you want in a judge, isn't it? You want a judge who's perfectly fair, who's never going to let someone get away with it, um, who's always going to write every wrong so here's the question are you joining in with creation's song are you joining in i think it's convicting 
that we are the only part of creation that doesn't naturally join in. We, we're supposed to be the best part. When God makes the whole world, he says it's good. Once he's made humanity, he says it's very good. And yet we're the only part that doesn't naturally give God the praise he's owed. Well, we, we should be able to join in. We've been given the lyrics to sing. We know the tune. We know the words. But are you actually going to join in? And there's, there's no real opt out without uh, making a statement, without protesting. Uh, it's like someone representing their national team for a sport. If they refuse to sing the anthem, they're making a statement, aren't they? They're not being neutral. They're actively opposing uh, the nation that they're meant to represent. Well, that's what we do if we don't join in with creation's song of praise to God. Join in with creation. Submit to him as your judge and your king. Jesus warns us in the New Testament that if we don't sing, the stones will cry out. That's what we've got here. The mountains are crying out. Um, Are we going to as well? Now, you might be thinking this morning, I I can't do that. I can't join in with creation's song uh, because of my sin. If you only knew what I was really like, you'd know I should be disqualified from this choir. Well, I think the advice to give is, is the advice you'd give to anyone singing in a professional choir. You need to focus not on the people around you, not on your own failures. You need to focus on the conductor in front of you. You need to focus on the Lord Jesus. You need to look at the one who has done marvellous things. He's lived a marvellous life. He's died a marvellous death. He's risen again marvellously. He has accomplished salvation for us with his right hand and his left hand stretched out on the cross for us. He's the one who's revealed his righteousness to all the nations. Uh, He's the conquering king that we need to fill our minds with. He's the judge that's going to come back and make everything right. If you don't think you can sing the words, look at the conductor. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that's going to start it and bring it to completion. See Jesus and sing to him. So how should we respond to God? Well, Psalm 98 gives us three lessons. I think they're one big lesson that we need to praise God. But specifically, we need to sing to God because he's our saviour. We need to make a joyful noise because he's our king. And we need to join in with creation. Creation waiting for the day when God's going to make everything right when he comes back as our judge. Let me finish with some words uh, that might not be familiar to you now, uh, but they will be. They will be once you've sung them a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times uh, in eternity in heaven. These are some words from Revelation that God's people will be singing forever. They held harps given by God and they sang the song of God's mighty servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvellous are your deeds. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. 
All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Well, we're going to sing uh, Psalm 98 uh, together in a moment. Let me pray uh, before uh, the musicians lead us in a song. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this call uh, to sing praises to you from Psalm 98. Please help us uh, this week uh, during the week of prayer to uh, examine ourselves, uh, to confess our sins, uh, to pray for our world. Uh, We praise you that you are our saviour that you have sent the Lord Jesus to die in our place, uh, that he has risen again, uh, that he rules as our king, that he's coming back as our judge. Please, would that fill us with joy? Uh, Please help us to sing the song that creation sings. And we pray for all of these things in his name and for his glory. Amen.